Has a shadow been cast over the earth? Can AI help us discover ancient historical secrets? And can sound fight cancer? Get the answers to these questions and more on this episode of Knickknack News, a news podcast featuring exciting tech breakthroughs, scientific discoveries, and fun, uplifting news stories without the political drama. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. And my first story today is spicy pepper news. Okay, this is from NPR.org. And the headline is, The New World's Hottest Pepper, Pepper X. It's three times spicier than its predecessor. I will never eat this pepper, nor its predecessor, the Carolina Reaper. Nope, I'm good. So, a small, wrinkly yellow-green pepper, known as Pepper X, is now officially the hottest chili pepper in the world, according to Guinness World Records. Ed Curry, which I think it's funny that his name is Ed Curry. (laughs) I thought you would appreciate that. That is funny, yeah. (laughs) Founder of... Pucker Butt Pepper Company? Oh, no. Yeah. In South Carolina, uh, he appeared on a U- the YouTube show Hot Ones hmm. to receive the Guinness Award and announce the spicy new variety to the world. Have you ever seen Hot Ones? I haven't watched it, but I'm familiar with the concept. Same. Yeah. I've never watched it either, but I know what it is. If you don't know what it is, it's a YouTube <laughs> show where... They like interview celebrities and people like while they're eating spicier and spicier like chicken wings. Progressively hotter. Yeah. Yeah. They're like eating these chicken wings and going to spicier and spicier wings <laughs> while trying to like be interviewed. Yeah. And asked, I believe, just normal interview questions. Like it's just a. Yeah, I think it's just like a interview show, but with that extra element. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a it's a fun idea. Um, but but yeah. So apparently he was on Hot Ones and he announced this. So. To measure the intensity of Pepper X, officials at Guinness uh, use the Scoville scale, which is used to determine spiciness of different things compared to other things. Um, it was developed in 1912. Hmm. And it it uh, measures the concentration of the um, capsaicin, or the capsaicinoids, as this article says, oh. in the I've never heard of uh, that material. Yeah, I hadn't either. Uh, so Pepper X measures an average of 2.693 million Scoville heat units. So hmm. I'm now going to remind everyone what that is in relation to normal peppers. Yeah. So a jalapeno is 2,000 to 8,000 Scoville heat units. So, hmm. and this is 2.69 million. Yes. Yeah. And a Serrano pepper they had was 10,000 to 23,000 Scoville. Okay. So like way lower than 1 yeah. million this is 2.6 yeah. and the the previous record holder which was the Carolina Reaper pepper which I found out was also developed by this same guy Ed Curry oh so he's just outdone himself yeah <laughs> he just Literally. He, he had the record <laughs> and it actually <laughs> he's he said in this interview I guess that he developed this like he's had this other pepper like it existed but he like didn't release it yet because he wanted to see if like somebody else like came up with something that oh, went, so that was, he could just be like ha ha. I think so. Yeah, he was like he had it in his back pocket. Like oh, someone's gonna try to make something hotter than the Carolina Reaper, and then I'm gonna have Pepper X. Like yeah. and then no one did. So then he's just like okay, I'm just gonna release okay, this fine. anyway. <laughs> and meanwhile, somebody else has one that's five million scoping yeah, units. So they're like ha ha. I've been waiting for you. To, yeah, I don't, may, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not. I, yeah. I don't know the Netflix politics of that it, competition yeah. world. Um. So. 
yeah, so the previous record record holder was the Carolina Reaper Pepper, and that's averaged at 1.64 million Scoville units. Wow. So that's 1.64. This one's 2.693 million. And they mentioned, too, in the article that that scale is logarithmic somehow. It's not, like, linear. So I, I don't know that any more detail than what I'm telling you here, but it's a <laughs> logarithmic scale. So 2.69, it actually feel it. It's not like if you look at the numbers here, it looks like it's like, oh, just under double the heat. But actually, in reality, it's three times as hot. Okay, feeling. so like a higher Scoville unit is like exponentially higher than something yes. lower on the scale. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> so it's like even more. <laughs> it's even worse than it sounds. It's basically, it, yeah. So in summary, they said it was like three, it's like about three times as spicy as the Carolina Reaper, which is kind of terrifying to me because I feel like why yeah, those are, does this need to exist? This is literally like a lethal pepper. Like, no, like the Carolina Reaper is can be dangerous if you're not careful can. consuming it. Like, so you can really hurt yourself. You No, you can. And actually, I, I saw a story um, about... Have you heard of the the one chip challenge chip? Yes, I've heard of this. Did you hear that like a teenager like died from eating one? No. Yeah. Well, yeah, so that's there's your That answer. happened somewhat re- Yeah, so like somebody I mean, I don't know all the details like it, with anything like really spicy like if you have some condition like you can be it's dangerous to eat really 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 spicy things if you have like a heart condition or like other things hmm. that it can like affect your health. But yeah, it's like a 14-year-old like ate that and it was a Carolina Reaper pepper chip and um ended up in the hospital and like didn't make it. And then there was oh, this wow. whole discussion about like safety around these food products, et cetera, et cetera. Not, you know, I'm, I'm not, not trying to be a downer here, but it's right. anyway, just a tangent, but it's just, you have to be careful. Be careful. Yeah. Stuff. It's yeah. like, don't like, don't run out and just start chomping on pepper X. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where you would get one of these right now, right. but I can't it imagine exists. They're widely it's out there. Available. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't even know where you get Carolina Reaper actually. I don't think that's, they don't just like sell that in grocery stores. I can't <laughs> imagine they like would unsafe. for the liability. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but if you are one of those people who has a really, really, really high sensitive or um, um, tolerance, tolerance. That's the opposite. <laughs> not the opposite, not sensitivity. The tolerant, a really, really, really high tolerance to um, really spicy peppers. Maybe you would be interested in this. You can, you know, try the next level. If you've had a Carolina Reaper and you're like, I can, I could handle that. I can do that. This is the next level. Knickknack News does times. not endorse or support we do the not. consumption of the Pepper X or Carolina not. Reaper or any dangerous pepper. And I won't ever eat any oh, of those yeah. because I am super sensitive to spicy Same. stuff. Absolutely. I don't even like jalapenos. I'm like, Ugh. like I can eat them, but like, oh, like it's yeah. uncomfortable. I can, like, I can I do a jalapeno. Like, I have a, I don't have like a high tolerance for spice, but I have a, I have a decent tolerance. Yeah, but I like. I don't like. It's not enjoyable to me. Right. Like, if it gets like to a it. point where it's like. Ow. And I'm like, I don't need this to hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I'm eating. I mean, kept season. It's like literally poison. <laughs> like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> My first story this week is space news. This is from CBS. And the headline is satellite image captures moon's shadow over us during solar eclipse. <laughs> cool so yeah it's a really cool picture that you can't see because this is a podcast but it 
<laughs> I will show Alex, and then you can, you can live vicariously through her. Um, so a new satellite image shows a seemingly vast portion of the United States shrouded in an expansive dark splotch. Their word. Um, it is actually the moon, said NASA, casting a shadow over North America during an eclipse last weekend. So, like, usually when an eclipse happens, you see the pictures from Earth of just, like, the sun being obstructed. But this, yeah. is, this is a picture from space of the Earth being obstructed, I guess. That's cool. Um, so the stunning picture was taken using the Earth Polychromatic Imaging Camera, or EPIC, uh, which is on board the Discover satellite, and that's DSCOVR, which stands for Deep Space Climate Observatory, which seems like a stretch because you're just kind of picking words from or letters from observatory to make your acronym work. But yeah. anyway... <laughs> A lot of acronyms That's okay. there. Uh, this was first. This uh, observatory was first launched into space in February of 2015 through a partnership between NASA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, and the U.S. Air Force. And uh, NOAA was interested because it monitors solar wind patterns in real time and provides information necessary to their alerts and forecasts for space weather events like geomagnetic storms. Hmm. You've heard of weather. But what about space weather? <laughs> um, so this is apparently important in tracking that. But it can also capture pictures of Earth from its unique vantage point between our planet and the sun, about 930,000 miles above Earth's surface. And the latest photograph released by the satellite camera shows a section of the planet on Saturday, October 14th, the date of the most recent annular solar eclipse. It shows the moon's shadow, or umbra, casting a dark shadow over the southeastern coast of Texas. And that makes it sound like it's just over Texas. This thing is basically blocking out the entire continent of North America, as far as I can tell in this picture. It's kind of cool. Um, and an annular eclipse, as opposed to a total solar eclipse, happens when the moon passes in front of the sun, but it is too far away to completely block its light. I did not know about that hmm. distinction. I didn't either. Um, so, like, sometimes it's called a ring of fire because, like, when it passes directly in front of the sun, it just looks like a big red ring in the sky. That you still shouldn't look at, I don't think. No, yeah, um, yeah. So, just look at pictures. Um, the next annular solar eclipse visible from the U.S. won't be until June 21st, 20, uh, 2039. So, quite a bit away. But the f next total solar eclipse uh, will darken skies from Texas to Maine on Monday, April 8th. Next year. 2024. So, I'm excited. Yeah. Because it's going to pass over Ohio. Oh, Yes. Um, so anyway, here's the picture that I've been talking about this whole time. Whoa! It just looks like the entire like North American continent has just been cast in shadow. It's really, it's a really cool picture. Okay, I don't know what I was expecting, but that's really cool. Isn't that neat? Yes. I just, I, I just saw this picture. I was like, well, I have to, I have to talk about this. That is really cool. Yeah, it's like most heavily concentrated on like Texas, but like. It's the entire North American continent is is affected by it. It's it's just mm -hmm. a really cool picture. Um, but yeah, uh, so definitely cool. make sure to check out this story uh, from our show notes and when we post it on social media because this picture is definitely worth seeing. Yeah. My next story is AI news. This is from CNN. And the headline is, AI reads text from famously inscrutable ancient scroll for the first time. 
Ooh. Ooh. And it released a curse upon and it the released land. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's spooky season, and yeah, so everything just kind of seems like a little sinister, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so the Herculaneum scrolls are nearly two thousand year old documents recovered from a building in Pompeii that was believed to be Julius Caesar's father in law's house. Oh, that's course, so specific. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. <laughs> Have you Julius heard of the Caesar's, Caesar's father-in-law's <laughs> barber's dog walk? Yeah, I know, right? Like, well, how do they know? I don't know. Um, but yes, yeah, so this is according to the University of Kentucky. That's where they were recovered, or that's the house. That's who belonged to the house, or Pompeii, that's who Kentucky. That's who owned the house. I can't talk. <laughs> um, so, after surviving the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in 79 AD, these scrolls, um, like they were recovered, but they were, you know. They were like rolled up, but you couldn't like unroll them because they were like stone, basically. (laughs) So so they like will fall apart. Um, Uh Apparently, some people even had like tried to like unroll one, and it just was like became pieces Uh and stuff. So that happened. Um, So yeah, so no one's really been able to like read these scrolls, but it's been this thing like, oh, if only we could read these scrolls, we would learn things. (laughs) Oh, oh, if only we could. <laughs> I don't know why I'm making this like a one act play. <laughs> so after two millennia, the first full word from one of the unopened ancient documents has been decoded. Just said, the help, ah, a single word. Ah. I'm going to tell you what the word is. With the help of computer technology and advanced artificial intelligence, according to an announcement made by a team of researchers who launched the Vesuvius Challenge, which is a competition designed to accelerate the discoveries made with these scrolls. So the contest calls for competitors to apply a technique known as virtual wrapping to two of the scrolls, which are released on the web um, in an attempt to decipher the, the hidden words. So the way that that virtual wrapping process works is they X-ray the scroll and then the scan like they virtually basically like flatten it. Like they use the algorithms to like flatten it out based on the x-ray and then use the AI to figure out like what is ink and writing and try to like decipher the words based on that. That's really cool actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like still rolled up. Yeah. Wow. Like that's something only a computer could do. Like, (laughs) Like I can't even like wrap my mind around like you would have like a slice of this thing would be going through multiple, like be going through, all through the page itself. So like determining like which pieces of a slice are, which. Yeah. I, I think that sounds they so didn't cool. specify this, but I'm assuming it's like a, like a CT type X-ray. Like it's a right. 3d, it's like a 3d X-ray of it basically. So right. you can it would see have to like be, yeah. the, like um, depth of mm. the scroll itself. So yeah. So you could actually like, it's like, cause yeah, like, know, cause this line it. in the middle belongs to this part. These two lines on either side of it belong to the, like, it's just like you're yeah. building it out. That's mm-hmm. really cool. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what the that's, algorithms oh, are doing. What a neat idea. <laughs> I know, right? It's cool. <laughs> so that, so they're like virtually like unrolling it and trying to decipher the words. Um, and according to this article, this technology was created by a computer science professor at the university of Kentucky. Again, Brent seals. Um, and that technology has been in development for, nearly 20 years to get to the point where they're at, where they can actually like use it on something like wow. this. Um, so are you ready for the, the one word that was been, that's been discovered so far? Yes. Purple. 
my favorite color. <laughs> That's incredible. It's, it's my second favorite one color. One word. Um, but yeah, the <laughs> Greek word for purple, they found that and they figured out that that's what was was written on there, one of the words. So they're still working on it to get more <laughs> more context. But the rest um, of the scrolls just says, "Ah, there's a volcano erupting. Ah, purple. Ah." Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. They're just writing it out in real time. They're in real time. It's like during the eruption. It's like and it's like, oh, let's make sure we roll this up first. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's an ongoing um, project, obviously. So. Yeah, so they're gonna yeah they're gonna keep keep working on it, but I can't wait to they, find out what was purple. <laughs> I know, right? What was purple? <laughs> it's gonna be about somebody's like medical yeah, issues, it, <laughs> <laughs> like they had a bruise or something. Probably, <laughs> or it could be about wine grapes. Oh, grapes are purple. Yeah. It could be. But just the so many ideas. <laughs> it's just one word, and we're already yeah, our minds. My next story is cancer treatment news. This is from the University of Michigan's website, and the headline is, Tumor-Destroying Sound Waves Receive FDA Approval for Liver Treatment in Humans. Wow. So this is a new cancer treatment. Or as far as I'm aware, this is like the first type of cancer that like this has been approved for. In like humans, um, so yeah, the, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has approved the use of sound waves to break down tumors, a technique called, and I am so sorry, histop histotripsy histotripsy. It's spelled like histotripsy, but I know that's not how it's pronounced. <laughs> sorry. Can we just call it? Histotripsy, I'm, I might though? just call it histotripsy, but it's like, like it's definitely histotrip histotripsy. Or something. Histotripsy. Yeah, it's, that's such a it's weird... It's histotrip, S-Y. Like, is hist- trip with a Y or an I? With an I. Like, literally the word... Histotripsy. That's such a... Histotripsy. What histotripsy. a tongue twister word. Histotripsy. Let's just call it histotripsy. Histotripsy is much funnier. <laughs> um, so they've approved this uh, technique in humans for liver treatment. Uh, it was pioneered at the University of Michigan. Uh, histotripsy offers... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can do that. It's too silly. It's too silly. Uh, it offers a promising alternative to cancer treatment, such as surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy, which often have significant side effects. Uh, and uh, yeah, today, FDA official, well, not today, when this article occurred, uh, FDA <laughs> officials awarded clearance to Histosonics, a company co-founded in 2009 by UM engineers and doctors for the use of histotripsy. To t- destroy targeted liver tissue. Um, this technique works wow. by using targeted ultrasound waves to form micro bubbles within the tumor. The forces created as those bubbles form and collapse causes the mass to break apart, killing tumor, sh- tumor cells and leaving the debris to be cleaned up by the immune system. Um, how cool is that? Isn't oh that my gosh. awesome? What? <laughs> I saw this. I was like, this is, this is so like... The article gets into it, because but it's just like so clearly just from reading this, like this is obviously so much better for the patient, like it's just because it's so targeted. So, you can like target a specific location with these waves without damaging any surrounding tissue. Yeah, so I don't know if you're going to go into this, but how does it how does it avoid doing that to regular tissue? It didn't say that part. Okay, but apparently it can it 
it has that level of precision where they can exclusively target like the tumor cells. That's incredible. And like while they're doing this, they're using like live ultrasound so that they can actually see what they're targeting and how like the area is reacting to it. Yes, that's awesome. Which is also so cool. Um, Because there's like, there's actually other like cancer treatment techniques that make use of like live ultrasound that like, that (laughs) the company that Alex and I have worked at like has, (laughs) has looked into this kind of thing. Um, So it's just like, it just neat to see it being applied to something like this. Yeah. No, that that's awesome. I think like real time imaging mm-hmm. or real time image guided therapies are really great because right. you well, can see it in real time, like what you're doing. You can literally watch the tumor like and react to the treatment like in real time and see what's that's happening. incredible. It's, it's very cool. Um, and it's there's there's even more to this too though. Uh, so. Uh, what this could mean for patients is treatment without the physical toll of radiation or chemotherapy, fewer concerns with drug compatibility and far shorter recovery times than with surgery and less treatment discomfort. Like it's all positive for the patient. Um, this is possible because it's much easier to ensure that these treatments are hitting the tumor and not healthy tissue compared to radiation or invasive procedures. Uh, histotripsy mm-hmm. relies on focusing acoustic waves of high energy ultrasound to concentrate the energy enough to form bubbles. And a histosonic system can make sure that region is confined to the tumor. So apparently whatever their proprietary system is that this company is using is able to specifically target that. Um, And like I said, in addition, the system has onboard diagnostic ultrasound imaging, which is used to plan and observe the treatment in real time. They have a live view of what they call the bubble cloud and how tissue is responding to the therapy. Um, But the potential benefits of this actually go beyond tumor destruction. Um, so in the last year, there were a pair of preclinical studies in rodents suggesting that in the cleanup process, the immune system learns how to identify cancer cells as threats because it's being destroyed within the body, but like not completely like the immune system is now able to deal with it and like learn to treat it as an enemy. Like it's able to identify really? it as something that it can target itself. Um, so that enables the body to continue fighting the initial tumor and help activate a natural immune response to the cancer. Um, they said in this first study that even after destroying only 50 to 75% of the liver tumor volume by histotripsy, um, the rats' immune systems in the, in the study were able to clear away the rest of it with no evidence of recurrence or metastases in more than 80% of animals. That is amazing. So, like, not only is it destroying the tumor without like introducing harm to the patient, it's actually training the patient's immune system to fight cancer itself. <laughs> this sounds like so awesome. I wonder why. No, my next question is like, why liver specifically? Like, I don't know. Actually, it sounded from the end of this article like the people that came up with this are like, next is looking at how we can apply this elsewhere. Yeah. So it might sense. just be that for now. That's, that's just that's the first what they have. place they looked at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, but there was wow. also, there's also a second study related to this, like this, the stuff that they did in the mice. Um, they said that it showed that this method breaks down what they call the cancer cell walls cloak. Um, I don't really, I, I think they're probably just using that term because it'd be hard to explain the mechanisms, but <laughs> Basically, that reveals proteins that the immune system can use to identify the threats known as antigens. Um, and those antigens are normally removed when you like surgically remove cancer, or they're like completely obliterated with chemotherapy and radiation. Whereas like in this, it's just breaking it apart and like exposing these antigens such that the immune system can identify them. 
um, and use them to identify threats. That's fascinating. So that's like this other study that they did with with rodents. So that's I think that's why they think it's like the immune system's then able to kind of like take care of it from there, which is so cool. <laughs> this sounds yeah. like a really, really promising treatment. And like, hopefully it's like just by its own nature, by its nature too. It's like, what could the possible like negative side effects be? It's like sound waves are not dangerous. Sound waves. Like, yeah, literally the only thing <laughs> I can think of is if it, it's like not super accurate and you end up like hurting the surround, but like, right. But the, that happens it sounds with like all the other things. Exactly. Too. Like if you, <laughs> so. you can't radiate like a circle in somebody without yeah. hitting the t- tissue right. on the way there. Right. Like, you can minimize those risks, but like yeah. you can never completely, you can never completely eliminate it because yeah, um, it has to pass through. Whereas like this, like they apparently have the the means to just target something that specific. Yeah, which is really cool. That's so and like cool. if they're able to develop this, and like it could only it's only going to probably improve from here. Like it just sounds like such a promising yeah because like, the technique sounds. Like it could work really on any type of tissue or cells. Yeah, so it's not like it's a type of cancer to, specific. Yeah, I don't which think it's limited to like being effective in the liver. I think, like I said, yeah, this is, I wouldn't see why not. Yeah, maybe it's because like damaging the other parts of the liver like would be like a lower risk than something like a different like kind in of your tissue, brain or something. Right, like maybe that's <laughs> yeah. why it's like, and they're like, okay, let's see how it goes in this before we try to get approval. For yeah, I could, other I could things, see that. But, yeah, because it like doesn't liver, sound specific liver tissue at all. like can regenerate, like regrow when it gets damaged and stuff. So. Yeah, at least from what to I a, know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not to a limited an expert extent, on that. Think, yeah, but still, it's just uh, I, I just wow, was just as I kept reading cool. this, was just like that's so neat. No, like, I have no, I haven't heard. I'm, yeah, I've not heard about that. They've, they've been before. keeping it under wraps, but yeah, I I really this sounds like super promising, and I I hope that it is as successful as it sounds like it could be yeah same all right and we have a listener submission this week thank you listener dave this is a story from cnn.com and the headline is scientists bring a forty-six thousand year old worm back to life (laughs) anthony has not read this yet just me so i'm reading it to him (laughs) is that a good idea <laughs> and um, it started multiplying. Yeah, that it actually like... did. I'm not even joking. Oh. It actually started multiplying. No. What? <laughs> Haven't they seen a movie? <laughs> Haven't they seen any films? Any film. Um, yeah. So they found this worm. Um, it had been frozen in Siberian permafrost apparently since the Upper Paleolithic period <laughs> of time. <laughs> Where it should the have scientists stayed. revived the worm, even though it had been frozen for forty six thousand years, and then the newly active creature started having baby worms. <laughs> and they said this is because a female roundworm doesn't need a mate to have like offspring because it can oh. asexually reproduce, huh. known as parthenogenesis. Hmm. Okay. Um, and then they said that this worm is known to be a nematode, I guess, which is a genus or family of things. It's not a species type. Yeah, I know the word. I don't know what it. Yeah, I, I don't either. I don't but they're the like, it's a it's a nematode, but it's an undis- it's a previously undiscovered species of nematode. Okay. 
so I don't know what I don't know if nematode I don't know which yeah, level I don't know nematode which is, level but of the classification. Yes, I don't know is, that but. either. <laughs> but but yeah, this is it's a it is a previously undiscovered species of worm. Um, and the article also just mentioned scientists have identified over twenty five thousand types of nematodes. So there's like a lot of them. So that's not like that weird to find a new one, but. So it, is, cool. it is that weird to revive a 46,000 year old <laughs> yes, one. Yes, it is. That's pretty weird. Um, so they gave it a new name that I'm not going to be able to pronounce. <laughs> well, Pan- Panagrolimus colimensis. <laughs> That's so bad. A little twang on the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> There's an A E N in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's weird. Calling mainsis. Mainsis. That's why I was like. <laughs> yeah. That's why I said that. Um, <laughs> okay, so nematode isn't and the. They're genus, naming though. it a- after the um, the Kalima River in Russia, where I guess that was near, like where this was discovered. I guess. Okay. So, th- yeah, they named it after that river, but yeah. Forty six thousand year old worm. Did it say what they came did out of with? the ice? It was fine. <laughs> they just they just released it into the wild. <laughs> they just released. Yeah, they just released it. No, I have no. I actually don't know. It didn't say what they did with it. It's probably in a lab somewhere. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> I don't know. What what does one do with a new species that comes out of the permafrost? <laughs> That does start like like it sounds like the start of like yeah. any horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> so something something bad's about to happen. <laughs> I like I also like they probably weren't expecting it to like revive. I have a feeling that like I don't know exactly how this went down, but I'm just imagining they like whatever, they're like doing their research, they're looking in the ice. <laughs> and they they're like, oh, there's a worm. And then they like bring it into the lab and they're like doing DNA tests. We don't know what this worm is. Oh, we found a new species of worm. All of a sudden, it starts moving. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It defrosted Was, and did started. They, you know? they didn't. They didn't go into this with the intention of resurrection. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. I don't think. I doubt that that was the intent. The goal. <laughs> I mean, I could be wrong, but <laughs> that doesn't seem likely. It seems like it was probably like just a coincidence. Yeah. A surprise. A happy accident. <laughs> a happy accident, if you will. Um. But yeah, I, I almost want, I, I'm like now, this worm is falling into the um, category of like alien creatures for me, like um, like tardigrades, you know, how they can just survive anything mm-hmm. like forever. Yeah. Well, this kind of is now feeling the, like yeah, that for me. At the very least, cryotherapy works wonders for it. Not therapy, <laughs> no, it's cryo... It's cryo cryogenesis? No. no. What's the word we're looking for? What is the word? <laughs> it's cryo something, isn't it? Yes. Uh, cry. Because cryo is just the short. Yeah. There's a term for <laughs> preserving yourself, like, yeah. cryogenically. What is it called? <laughs> Freeze. We, I don't know. Cryo. We're just going to yeah. call it cryo. Yeah. Anyway, it worked for this worm. It worked for this worm. It worked for this worm. So. Maybe it could work for people. Probably not, but maybe. <laughs> Who knows? All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. If you want to share a story with us, like Dave did, about frozen worms or anything else, you can send us an email at nicknacknews at gmail.com. 
All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.